Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Folks, we're into our third message concerning the issue of the cross and how we we entered into this study is basically the question why the cross why why would jesus have to die such a cruel death isn't there some other way that it could have been taken care of and and that's a natural question that's not a wrong question and i've been asked that question many times through the years because it, in our thinking we we think of easier solutions do, do you know what i'm saying if we've got a problem, we want to find the quick, easy solution to take care of it. But for some reason, in this instance, God didn't do that. And we have a hard time comprehending that. And that's because we don't realize and we don't understand the significance of our sin. We don't understand how serious it is. In fact, if anything, we look at it as insignificant. We look at our sin as insignificant. We view it in insignificance. We don't pay it any mind. I mean, you think about it for a moment. You think about the things that you struggle with. Everyone here is a sinner, and so there are things that you do on a regular basis that are wrong. There are habits that you have formed. There are attitudes that you have. You, there are things that have been passed down from one generation, from one family to another, and, and, and you don't even pay it any mind because it's just normal life. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's just normal life. But that's not what the Scripture tells us. It actually calls us to wake up and to move beyond the thought of it as being insignificant. It's insignificance. In fact, I want to point out two things about that whole concept of insignificance for us. And here's the first one. This is a personal statement, but this is one that you and I need to say. We, we still hold our sin as insignificant. You have to admit that. We still hold our sin as insignificant. How, how can I say that, George? I mean, I'm serious about the stuff I'm doing wrong. I'm trying to change. Yeah, I can say that because look at the excuses we make. We make excuses. We live in a culture that makes excuses. Did you understand what I'm saying? Nobody's willing to admit that they do anything wrong. It's always somebody else's fault. Did you, have you noticed that? It's always somebody else's fault. It's because of my mama or because of my daddy or because of this scoutmaster or this coach or this teacher. It's because of my wife. It's because of my husband. It's because of my kids. If they hadn't have been acting that way, I wouldn't have lost it and, and this, that, or another. And, and we just keep going on and on. It's because of the guy who cut me off at the intersection here in town. And I haven't been the same ever since. It's because of some incident 10 years ago, 20 years ago, last week. We, we make excuses, and the excuses reveal, just being flat out honest with you, we don't think it's that important. In fact, the biggest showing that it shows us that we hold that is the fact that we continue to do it. We continue into it. We continue to do it. And, and let me just stop for a moment. I think everybody here realizes that when we talk about sins, I'm not talking about 
just, I mean, all sin is wrong. I'm not just talking about the one wrong thing that you do. I'm talking about the pattern of it in your life that you consistently revert back to over and over and over again. There's a pattern there. And we don't take it serious. We hold our sin as insignificant. Now, another test of our holding our sin as insignificant is look at how critical you are about other people concerning their sin. That's a true test right there. Have you noticed that? We can be, I mean, we can be flat out harsh about other people and the stuff they go through and the stuff they're doing. And the problem is, is that we're probably doing it ourselves. Maybe not in action, but in thought. That all reveals the fact that we hold our sin as insignificant. Here's the second thing I want you to see. It totally escapes us that sin requires a price to be paid. We haven't clued in on that. It totally escapes us that your sin, that habit, that attitude requires a price to be paid. And listen, folks, it will always ask for it. It doesn't forget that you owe something for doing it. And when it comes calling, and it will come calling, it always comes calling at the most inconvenient moment. Do you you know what I'm saying? It always comes calling at the most inconvenient moment. And then when it's let out, it's like, oh my goodness, I can't believe i got to pay this price. You have to because you engaged in that. You did that. You had that attitude. You treated that person that way. It will always come home to roost. The problem is, is it totally escapes us. We don't even think about it. Look, the enemy, he comes to us and says, oh, just do this, just do this, you'll enjoy it. But listen, the enemy will never tell you what it costs you. The enemy will never say to you, if you do this, you're going to mess up your life. God tells you that. God tells you in his word clearly in many places, don't do this because this is the penalty. But we're kind of like teenagers, aren't we? What do you mean we're kind of like teenagers? Well, how many times as teenagers did your parents warn you out of their wisdom and say, don't go there, don't do this, don't do this, and and you're like, I know better. I know better. And you did it, and you were like, They were right. I mean, by 22, I realized that my dad was not dumb anymore, that he was wise in all of his years. And the one who was dumb was the one living in his house who wasn't listening. Do you understand what I'm saying? It totally escapes us that sin requires a price. So here's what we're going to talk about today, folks. We're going to talk about the price to be paid. See, this is the next step to understanding the cross. This is the next step to understanding the cross. Remember, we the first week we talked about, do you really believe that? And we talked about the attitude the world has towards the whole issue of the cross and that the world sees as a foolishness. But we have to move beyond that and look at why the cross. So last week we looked at the issue of sin and the consequences of sin. We're going to look a little bit further now with the issue of sin, and we're going to look at the price to be paid. What does the Bible say about the price to be paid? And listen, folks, there is a price to be paid. And everyone's going to pay it. Everyone. But it doesn't have to be that way. That's why we have the cross. So let's look together. First of all, before we look at our passage in Revelation, let's talk about the nature of the penalty. Because there is a penalty. 
There's a price to be paid. Why? Well, it goes all the way back to Genesis. If you want to, that's the first book of the Bible. You can hold your hand there in Revelation. If you turn to chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, it started all the way in the beginning when God created Adam and Eve and he put them in the midst of the garden. And he said to them, listen to what he said, then the Lord took man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord commanded man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day you eat of it, you shall surely die. So from the beginning, here's the penalty. From the beginning, God pronounced death as the penalty for sin. From the beginning, God pronounced death. Now, death takes two forms. There is physical death. We all understand that. Nobody lives forever, ever. And, and, and to be honest with you, it is the one thing we hate. It's the one thing we try to avoid because we have loved ones who go on, who die. And it comes at the most unexpected moments. And it traumatizes us. I'll, I'll just be honest with you. Death traumatizes us. Because we, we have a tendency to think that everybody's going to live to be 110 years old, but it isn't that way. Folks, I've been a pastor for a long time. I've done funerals for babies. I've done them for folks who've been 100 years old. I've watched my own dad get buried at 41. I've watched my brother, who's a year and a half younger than me, get buried at 38. We see young ones die in their 20s. We see them die in their 70s, and we think they could have had more life. That's death. We understand that part of death. But there's more to it. Sin brings not just physical death. Sin brings spiritual death. That's the one that we don't comprehend. That's the one we don't understand in the fact of spiritual death. But see, here's the thing. That's the penalty that has to be paid for sin. Sin always brings destruction. Sin always brings death. Not just physical death. But spiritual death, from the beginning, God pronounced death as the penalty of sin. Here's another thing I want you to see about the penalty of sin. We see it in Romans chapter 6. You don't need to turn there. Verse 23, Paul writes, the apostle writes, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Here's what I want you to see. Death is always the outcome of sin. Death is always the outcome of sin. So that little thing that you think is insignificant, that little white lie, the outcome of that is death. You say, that's kind of ridiculous, George. No, it isn't. No, it isn't at all. Because I want you to understand something. That little white lie has consequences. And it always results in destruction. That's the immediate effect. The long-term effect is when God pronounces his judgment because of your sin, that's death. All sin results in negative consequences. We talked about that last week. This week, we're going to talk about the reality that sin brings a penalty. And it's always death. And I'm not talking about physical death. I'm talking about spiritual death. Which, to be honest with you, we'll see in a moment, is far more devastating than just simply dying physically. Because here's what I want you to understand. I want you, everyone here to understand this. Because in our culture, we're be beginning to develop an attitude that this is it. Live life to its fullest because there's nothing else afterwards. 
Folks, you were created for eternity. And yes, you have a physical body that breaks down and deteriorates, but there's something more to you, and it's a soul. It's the essence of who you are. And it lives forever. The question is, is where will it live forever? What are you talking about, George? Well, we just talked about funerals. You ever been to a funeral, to a funeral home, and, and you've been there with a loved one? I've been by many caskets, and I looked into a casket of loved ones, and you'd realize it's not them. It's just a shell. It's not them. They're not there. It's just their body. The essence of who they are. Where is that? It, it, it's somewhere. It's either with the Lord or it's not. And so that's, that's the nature of the penalty. The penalty is from the beginning, God pronounced death as a penalty for sin, and death is always the outcome of sin. So let's see how it's pronounced. This is where we come to Revelation. This will happen in the very end, folks. John gives us a glimpse of what is coming before all things become eternity. And we're in John chapter 20, verse 11 through 15. Read with me. He says this, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before God, and the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things that were written in the books. And the sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead that were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. What we're going to see here, folks, is the outcome of sin. We're going to see the outcome of the penalty. We're going to see the penalty pronounced. And here's what I want you to see here. First thing, all humanity will appear before Jesus to be judged. All humanity will appear before Jesus to be judged. You know, I, I want you to stop for a moment because we have this, we, we have, to be honest with you, a Sunday school concept of Jesus. What do you mean by that? What do you mean by Sunday school concept of Jesus? Well, do you ever, do you remember in Sunday school, if you're in children's Sunday school, if you grew up in church, you had pictures of Jesus, and it was Jesus with the lambs, and Jesus, Jesus with the children, and, and Jesus walking on the water, and then, you know, of course, there's a picture of Jesus knocking on the door, and Jesus just looks so wonderful, and so, Jesus looks like the kind of guy you want to take out and have a cheeseburger with. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? He's just so, just, I just want Jesus to hang out with me. Wonderful. Yeah, and that's a, that's a component of Jesus. Yes, that's who he is. But that's not what it's talking about here. This Jesus is terrifying. It's the same Jesus. But this is Jesus the judge. In fact, the Apostle Paul says in his letter to the Corinthians, his second letter to the Corinthians, he describes him in chapter 5, verse 11. Verse 10, he talks about the judgment of God. In verse 11, he says this. He talks about the terror of the Lord. He's talking about the day of judgment and the terror of the Lord. And the reality is, is that when God in his judgment is seated, there is a terror 
about him. Well, I think we can understand that. How many of you have ever been in a courtroom? That's terrifying, isn't it? You wonder, what's he going to do? How big is the fine going to be? Or can I get off on this one? And it's all in that one dude's hand. And I have sat in the courtroom here at Clearfield, and it's a terrifying thing to stand before a human being who's going to execute judgment. Think about what it's going to be like to stand before God. Because the dude sitting in the bench doesn't know everything, right? But Jesus, sitting on the throne judging, he knows everything. And he sees right through us. And all humanity one day will appear before Jesus to be judged. That's a scary thing. But here's the thing. If you just view your stuff as insignificant, ah, it ain't but a thing. Ain't but a thing. It's a big thing, folks. In fact, the passage goes on a little bit here. Look, look with me. The second thing I want you to see here is that humanity will be judged according to their works. Look at verse 12. I saw the dead, small and great. Let me just stop for a moment. Small and great talks about the status of people. It's not talking about short people versus tall people. It's talking about people who are insignificant in life and those who are great in life. They're all going to stand before Jesus. He said, I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. All of humanity will be judged according to their works. Now let's stop for a moment because this is where people get all confused and think they're okay. Because people will say things like this. Two things they'll say. My good things I do outweigh my bad things. You ever heard that? So I know I messed up over here, but you got to look at all the good I'm doing. Isn't that what we do today in our courtrooms today? You know, so-and-so is an axe murderer, but you know what? He's been working with bunny rabbits, and he's been very kind to them. We need to be lenient. That's the kind of thinking I'm talking about. See, it doesn't work that way. God judges everything that we do. The other one we do is we say is, well, I'm not as bad as that guy. I'm not as bad as them. I didn't do what they did. I haven't killed anybody. But it's all going to be. Humanity will be judged according to their works. And to be honest with you, that's not what the final judgment is about. The final judgment is not about how bad you were. The fact is, is you're all bad. I'm bad. But we're going to be judged. Here's the second thing I want you to see, because this is the one that is, I think when you really consider it, should freak you out. Everything will be judged. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew. Matthew chapter 12, But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. Stop for a moment. How many of you have said dumb things this week? You probably have said dumb things today. How many of you have said dumb things to your spouse and they were offended by it? They were hurt by it. You wish you could take those words back. Stop for a moment. How many of you have forgotten all the dumb things you've said? Now, your wife hasn't, but you have forgotten them. Do you know what I'm saying? It might be a shock to you to know that those things will come back up again. Jesus said every idle word will be brought into judgment in that day. Everything. Folks, 
everything. You know what? I'm 51 years old. I can't remember all the dumb, wrong things I've done, but I know I've done them. In fact, you've done wrong things without even realizing you've done wrong things. Have you ever said something and hurt somebody and you didn't even know you said anything wrong to hurt them? They just took it the wrong way? Everything will be brought into judgment. See, there's a penalty. We want to just sweep it under the carpet. We want to just forget it and move on. Like, can't we just move on, George? It's insignificant. Yeah, we can move on for now, but there's a price to be paid. It comes back to roost. Do you understand what I'm saying? It comes back. This is the penalty. And and listen, there are no excuses. Now we make a lot of excuses. We're good at making excuses. We're professionals at excuse making. You notice we don't even have to train people. There's no class at Kerwinsville High School on how to make excuses. There might be a college course because they have weird college classes, okay? But in life, there are no classes on making excuses because it comes naturally. There are no excuses in that day when we appear before Jesus. There are none. But I want you to notice with me, verse 14 and 15 are poignant. Verse 14 and 15 are scary. Verse 14 and 15 describe what death really is. Look at what it says. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. What is the second death? The lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. The lake of fire is the second death. Look now at verse 15. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Here's the fourth point. The penalty is eternal torment in the lake of fire. That's the penalty. That's the just reward of our sin. That's the just reward of everyone saying, well, my sin's not as bad as anybody else. Look, folks, that's based upon your assumption of what you think about sin. God doesn't see it that way. All sin is an offense to him. All sin is a violation of his law. All sin is worthy of death. That is what he decreed from the very beginning. That's why we have the cross. See, all of this I just shared with you, is, yes, so that you can be aware of the penalty of sin. That, that's one of the reasons why I share that. But I, the whole basis for us sharing this, for me sharing this, is so that you understand why the cross exists. So that you understand why the cross. Why such a cruel death? It's because somebody had to die for your sin. And because love compelled the Father to send his Son to die in your place, to suffer in your place, to take upon the penalty for your sin in your place. That's why the cross. Because sin is that serious. Sin is that devastating. And the result is always death. Always death. What do we do with this? Two things. I'm going to take the first point I made last week as far as what we need to do, and I'm going to expand it a little bit for you this week. And and, and this is what I want you to say. You need to pay attention to your sin and the price it demands. Say, it's not just enough to realize that you're doing wrong. It's not just enough to realize that 
that you got a problem with some sort of habit or attitude or something that's wrong. It's not just enough to just recognize that problem. You've got to go one step further and recognize the price that it is demanding of you. And the price, to be honest with you, is threefold. Number one, it requires an immediate price. What does that mean? The consequences of it, the people that it's destroying around you, your life that it's destroying. That, that's the immediate. And trust me, it's doing something. Even the most insignificant thing is destroying something in your life. The second one that we know is death. The reason why people are dying, folks, is because of sin. Physical death. The outcome of sin is always physical death. And then the third penalty is, is that God's wrath had to be satisfied. Now, when I talk about wrath, I am not talking about emotional outburst wrath. I'm talking about judicial wrath. What do you mean? Like when somebody is sentenced to die for a murder or something. That's called the state is executing judicial wrath. God's judicial wrath had to be satisfied because of our sin. Because the penalty for our sin is death, the second death. You need to pay attention. It's time for us to get serious. That's what's been missing in our churches for so long now, is that we're no longer serious about our stuff, our things that we do wrong. Well, we don't want to be legalistic. I'm not talking about being legalistic. I'm talking about you dealing with your stuff. You need to pay attention to your sin. Here's the second thing. Recognize that someone paid the price for you. So you don't need to be scared here. If you know Jesus, you don't need to be scared. Why? Why? Because this is what 1 John says, chapter 4, verse 10. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for us. That big word, Bible word, propitiation, means two things. It means atoning sacrifice. It also means wrath satisfier. Jesus is the wrath satisfier. He satisfied God's wrath concerning your sin if you have placed your trust and faith in him. Why? Because when he died on the cross, he paid the penalty once and for all for our sin. Are you trusting in him? Recognize somebody paid the price for your sins. You know, we're talking about the second death, the penalty here. You know, just go with me. One of the letters to the seven churches, it's the promise. He says this to the church at Sardis, chapter 2, verse 11. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. What's it talking about overcoming? It's talking about you overcoming and persevering and having your faith in who? Jesus. You'll not be hurt by the second death. That's why the cross. Okay, so let's wrap it up here. You want to know why the cross? Because of you. It's because of you. You in two senses. One, because of your sin and the price that had to be paid because of it. And number two, 
because somebody paid that price for you out of love, Jesus. That's why the cross. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.